spirit of reconciliation, I acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. I pay my respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island peoples today. Welcome to Totally Lit, the podcast celebrating reading, writing and creating literature. I'm your host, Kai Garvey. Thank you for listening. This episode, I have the wonderful Kashek Akek, writer of Hopeless Kingdom and winner of the 2021 Dorothy Hewitt Award for an unpublished manuscript from UWA Publishing in partnership with the copyright agency Cultural Fund. Kashak is a writer, a poet and a lover of words. From the moment she learned how to write in English at the age of six, Kashak has been writing out the stories that live inside her mind. Fascinated by human experience, the untold words and unsung songs of the day-to-day, as an early career writer, Kashak finds herself drawn to stories that transport and are grounded in truth. Her deep love of stories and world-building is existential. Hopeless Kingdom is her first manuscript, but only the earliest work in her long line of stories. I hope you enjoy our chat. Yes, good to go. Awesome. (laughs) Keshek Akak, welcome to Totally Lit. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for joining myself and my listeners today. You must be very excited for the release of your book, Hopeless Kingdom. Yeah. So that's out this month. It's still on pre-order, is that right? Yeah, it comes out August 1st. Very nervous, oh, but very, very exciting. Yeah. Um, can you tell me how you came to write Hopeless Kingdom? Yeah, of course. So um, from very, very young, I've always loved um, writing. I'm talking like since grade three, since I learned how to write in English. Um, and as I sort of grew and went into high school and university, I started writing less of, like, say, creative pieces and more of what was demanded of me at the time. So, like, you know, essays and all that kind of stuff. And when you're writing all day, every day, it's like it didn't really, it wasn't a hobby of mine anymore um, just because I was doing so much of it. And so um, after I graduated from university, um, I was sort of in between jobs and my boredom sort of got the best of me. And so I fell back in love with writing again. And um, I would write short stories here and there, but Hopeless Kingdom was sort of a story of mine that always lived in the back of my mind. But I knew that given the gravity and the weight of the story, I knew I wasn't ready then and there to write the story from start to finish. And so it was in 2020, which was about three years after I had the idea for Hopeless Kingdom, um, I travelled to New Zealand, and that was my first time leaving Australia um, since coming here in 2003. And it was the first time that I sort of felt it in my body and soul that Australia was a place that I connected with and called home because it was the first time that I'd been away from it. And so after coming back from that, of course, coming back from New Zealand, we went into lockdown. And it wasn't something that I was completely cognizant of, but I sort of came back to the story of Hopeless Kingdom, which is so much um, the theme that it sort of keeps coming back to is placement and home. Mm. Um, And so I was very reflective of that, and it felt like the right time. So 
within like the space of three months, <laughs> I started writing Hopeless Kingdom. Before I knew it, um, it was completed. So that was that the way to get you motivated to write, to, to lock you up <laughs> during COVID <laughs> with nothing else to do? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, yeah. And now it's the winner of the University of Western Australia Dorothy Hewitt Award for an unpublished manuscript for 2021. How did it feel to win such an amazing award? Oh, to be quite honest with you, for the longest time, I thought someone was pulling a prank on me. Like I was in complete and total disbelief because um, like as a young writer, I sort of had this idea that to sort of make it anywhere, you have to be, you, have, you know, you would have had to be a writer for decades um, and, you know, have a massive body of works to even get some sort of recognition. And so I went into writing with that in mind and I was sort of prepared for that. But, yeah, to sort of be told a year into my, you know, writing journey, me taking it seriously, that, you know, I won this very, very prestigious award that's named after one of the greats in Australian literature is just, yeah, even talking about it now, it's it's still such a pinch-me moment. Mm. It's, a, you know, 15-month-long pinch-me moment. <laughs> And so the result is that your manuscript is published, but they yes. also assist you with working on that manuscript as well. How was that process working with UWA on your manuscript? I felt so guided the entire time. Um, I mean, of course, with winning the award, I felt so, um, of course, proud and honoured, but also a bit nervous because I was way out of my depth. So mm. like, you know, to, it's not something that's really spoken about, um, and it's not, it's something that I knew nothing of, but yeah, I had a, it was a group of women and I had a publisher and the team at UWA publishing a very small, um, but very, very mighty. And I felt like at any point I can ask a question, no matter how silly it felt and it was answered. Um, and I felt like everybody who had a hand in working on the book had so much love and appreciation and sort of understood it um which is so much more than what I could ask for but yeah it was an incredible experience and I felt I feel like I've learned a lot from it especially you know it's as a young writer and also this is my debut novel and so it really set the tone for what I'm going to be aiming for in the future and um yeah and what prompted you to enter that award? Um, had you shared your work with someone and they had said, oh, why don't you enter it? Or was it something that you did on your own? Well, it's funny because when I first wrote Hopeless Kingdom, it was a very selfish act because I wrote it for myself and myself only. Mm -hmm. It was one of those things where, you know, I had to write the story. I felt like I was literally going to explode. So after I wrote it um, for a few weeks, I was like, huh, you know, what now? And because it was so deeply personal, I hadn't really thought beyond the story being finished. And, yeah, so I, I wrote it in March, finished it in May. And it so happened that around that time, the Vogel Award were open to submissions. Mm -hmm. So I submitted um, Hopeless Kingdom, the very first draft, into the Vogel Award. Um, and I sort of waited very anxiously for um, the result and in September of 2020, I got told that they had found a winner for the Vogel Award and it wasn't my manuscript. And of course, I was disheartened. 
but there was that sense of I was very proud of myself for sort of putting my name out there and even though there was recognition even though it was just an email saying oh sorry like it's not you know you're not the winner that still sort of felt a small part of it felt nice mm. um, and so I got back to work um, on Hopeless Kingdom and I redrafted it and I was on uh, one of like a writers forum for Victoria and that's where I found out about the Dorothy Hewitt Award and I sort of I remembered the disappointment of you know getting told that I didn't win the Vogel Award but also the small feeling of triumph of you know getting over that sort of um, the anxiety of you know other people reading my work and yeah I just I went for it and um, expected to see I, I, I expected to receive the same news the same feedback um, but you know I didn't <laughs> well done it's an exciting feeling when when you get some great feedback that, oh, yeah. and especially in your heart when you know you've written something that you want to share with the world yeah. um, and then to get a response a positive response is such a great feeling now you're an artist in residence with somebody's daughter theatre company in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, what what do you do there? Are you working on script writing, or are you working in the theatre company itself? Yeah, yeah. Well, it started off as a sort of um, like a personal development sort of feat, um, and I love the work that they did so much in the community. So, somebody's daughter theatre company. They work in um, the women's prison, the Dame Phyllis Frost Centre which is in Deer Park. Um, we work with kids who don't really fit into mainstream schooling and we work with women in the community who've been through the system, but it's not exclusive to that. And so, yeah, I sort of did that work for about a year in 2019 and I absolutely fell in love with the people in the company and the people that we worked with um, because the year prior to that, I actually came in as a guest to watch one of their prison performances and that was such a it was such an aha moment for me, and I've yeah been with the company ever since. Another moment we're actually working on a play called She Swallowed That Lie, and it's an ensemble of mainly women, and it's just um, yeah a collection of stories about you know lies that each character was told and the rejection of those lies, and yeah so that's gonna um, that play is opening. In the last week of August, which... <laughs> You're going to yeah. have a big month. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, I, and it was, it's one of those things where I didn't know that I was terrible at theatre at high school. Like, I, I didn't take it seriously, you know, none of anything like that. I didn't expect to sort of fall into this line of work at all, but... Yeah, it's something that I've just completely fallen in love with, head over heels, and I'd never consider myself a performer, a, a performing artist until now. And and you're a poet as well, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I haven't been for a little bit, but when I was in university um, and, you know, writing stories start to finish seemed like a massive feat because I had, you know, all this, all these essays and paperwork to sort of write up. Um, when I'd find time, I'd just write, you know, little pieces of poetry um, just to sort of remain connected to that creative part of writing that I love so dearly. But I haven't been for a while. I've been writing any recent poetry, but it's, yeah, uh, yeah. 
it's um, I'm a terrible poet, so <laughs> I steer clear of it. Um, but it's definitely like a unique skill. Like if you've got yeah. it in you, you've got it in you. Um, yeah. And so this is your debut book, and it, it's yeah. got themes about place and belonging within mm-hmm. the novel. Um, what will um, readers get out of of your book if they pick it up to read it? Um, I think readers are going to be very, very surprised about how much they relate to the characters, no matter, you know, their age, their gender, their race, their ethnicity, you know, their religion. I think Hopeless Kingdom, um, above all, is just a, a story, a very, very human story about belonging, but also the consequence of not finding a place to belong, which is something that I think everyone can find an echo or a trace of familiarity in and feel very, very deep empathy and also frustration with the characters on their journeys. And, yeah, a lot of... I always say that, you know, Hopeless Kingdom is a work of fiction, but it's heavily inspired by my events. Um, You know, me and my family's journey from, you know, going from Sudan to Egypt as, you know, refugees, asylum seekers, and then from Egypt to Australia as migrants. And in a lot of the book, a lot of the scenes are made up from my memories of places. And, yeah, I guess I tried to capture the truth in their lives, and I think you can see that by, you know, reading each sort of character's take on individual events and, yeah, and how to sort, uh, how they sort of play out. Mm-hmm. And just because I love a happy ending, do your characters <laughs> find their place in the world? I think, I think they do. I think they do. And I think, um, so the story is told um, through the perspective of a mother and a daughter and the, it follows them through the years. So from the daughter from childhood to, you know, adulthood and growing into a young lady and the mother um, from, you know, being a young mother to, you know, a mother to teenagers and, you know, going from being married to, you know, suddenly being a single mum raising these kids in Australia in a country that is so unfamiliar to her. Um, but I think throughout the story, each of them find their place in different places, and for the daughter especially, she doesn't fi- she doesn't figure out that she belongs somewhere until later down the line. If that makes sense, um, and she sort of yeah goes back and revisits those places in her memories and goes ah okay so I did belong, and then tries to make her way back to those places. I think sometimes you can look at back and and wish you'd realised at the time that you you knew you were belonging at the time you don't get it and then later on you go, oh, okay, I wish I knew what I know now. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Um, Now I've got a few questions for you which are just about you personally, just about Mm -hmm. your reading and writing, um, just so our listeners can get to know you a little bit better. Um, So did you have a favourite author growing up? Oh, I had so many, so, 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 so many. Um, My favourite book series when I was in primary school was the Tashi series. I don't know if you remember. I'm a bit old for that one, I think. (laughs) (laughs) 
Ashley series, and I always forget who the authors were, which is terrible of me. Um, I might just get it up. Is that all right? That's fine. That's what I'm doing too. Just googling <laughs> it. Anna Feinberg. Does that sound like? Yeah. Yeah. I think it had two authors. Um, they look exciting. There's tigers and dragons. Oh my goodness! A so flying you can see lion. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So you can see it too. You like adventure, excellent. Oh my Me goodness, too. so so much, so so much. I loved the um, the Harry Potter series, mm-hmm. of course by J.K. Rowling, and I don't know why I'm drawing a blank. Sorry. Are those the sort of books that you envisage writing as well, or, or oh, do you definitely. feel you've got a niche genre? No, I think um, yeah. In the future, I sort of don't want to. I don't want to put, um, like, say, I don't want to limit myself to certain genres, mm-hmm. um, even though growing up and still now, there's such a there's a huge part of like the adventure, sci-fi, fantasy sort of umbrella where that just draws me so instantly. I normally gravitate towards those otherworldly stories. And I'd love to be able to, um, I don't know, feel well enough, feel confident enough in myself to just, you know, free fall into, you know, writing those sort of things. I have a few stories in my mind that I've been (laughs) developing, like Hopeless Kingdom. Um, Yeah, that sort of in the sci-fi realm um, that, yeah, hopefully in a couple of years I'll be able to share it with the world. Um, But, yeah, sorry, what was the question? (laughs) Um, oh, I was just asking about your favourite books and you've told me about that and about what you'd like to write in the future. Have you got yeah. anything that you're reading right now? I'm reading The Dictionary of Lost Words by yeah. Pip Williams. Um, and it was it's not usually the type of book that I would read. Not that I have a proclivity for any. But, um, yeah, it's about the putting together of the first Oxford English Dictionary. Mm-hmm. Um, and it follows the girl, uh, a girl story, and her name's Esme, and she works in the scriptorium. And, you know, from a very, very young age to the bit of the story that I'm up to now, she's a grown woman. Um, but, yeah, and she has a certain relationship with words, um, and I find her extremely relatable because I've always been the same since I was very, very young. So, yeah, and I'm loving it so far. And I know that you're quite early in your writing career um but do you have a piece of advice that you would have given yourself at the beginning of of your writing I think just not to be so harsh on myself um you know I have a lot of I give myself a lot of freedom these days um and um I try not to be so judgmental with the things that come out but yeah when I was younger when I first started writing and I mean, this was, you know, after university, I was so critical of everything that I wrote. And so, yeah, if I were to go back and speak to my younger self, I'd just tell her to chill out a little bit. <laughs> not everything has to be the perfect, especially not in the first draft. And by being so harsh with yourself, you're only limiting what the possibilities can be. Mm. Yeah, I think you have to be brave and sometimes give part of yourself that you're not always willing to give as well which um i think also when you're telling a story that is so close to your heart it can be difficult to 
push yourself. Um, did you find that difficult or did you just want to tell the story? Um, well, at the start of my journey of Hopeless Kingdom, I didn't find it difficult at all because I didn't think that anybody was going to read it apart from me and maybe my mother because the mother character in the book mm. is very much inspired by her. Um, and so I sort of felt, other than you know my own critiques of my own work, I did feel very um, comfortable writing it. But I think when it when it was completed, that's when the nerves started to set up. Yeah, that's when the nerves sort of came about. And and I think it was because I knew that this was something I had to share with the world. But with that comes the relinquishing of, you know, you have to sort of let those things go, even though, you know, I felt the weight of the story. And it, like you said, so much comes from the heart. And, you know, like I said before, a lot of Hopeless Kingdom is derived from my own memories. And it's like when I first started writing it, it was like a dot and I was the central. I was in the center, you know. Um, and then it sort of grew. And, you know, the character called Akita became less of me, less of like an image of myself and more of, you know, a reflection of so many other Sudanese girls. And so, you know, as time went on, there was that sort of separation and that made me feel brave because if someone was to pick up the book and read it and say, oh, I don't like this or I don't like this character, I wouldn't take it as personally because it's not, there's that separation now. Yeah. It makes sense. But also I did feel very brave in not so much writing it, but yeah, deciding to put it out into the world. And do, are there themes there that are unique to Sudanese girls that that you'd like to think that you're passing on a message to help them in the same situation? I think so. I think so. And that's probably, I think, one of the things that I'm most proud of with this book and its journey out into the world um, is that Sudanese girls or African-Australian girls in particular will feel seen and heard because, um, you know, as I said before, I, I was such a lover of books and of films and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, even as young as like six or seven, um, I'd fall in love with these worlds, but I'd always sort of pick up that there wasn't anybody that looked like me or was described as me in those worlds. And so, yeah, to be able to sort of fill in that gap and sort of say to the world, like, yes, we do exist, you know, yes, we are like you, yes, we go through the same things. Yeah, I, yeah, it's a good feeling knowing that, you know, a little black girl is going to pick up the book or a little black boy is going to pick up the book and see themselves in so many different iterations of one story. Because there, there are some themes, like, that I look at, in your book and I, go, oh, I can identify with that. I mm. moved around a lot when I was young and never felt like I belonged anywhere. But there's yeah. also an element that I understand that I also come from a privileged background as well. So there, there isn't, it isn't quite the same. Um, so there's challenges that I haven't had, um, but yeah. I do understand that feeling of, oh, I don't belong here because we're only staying here for 12 months and we're moving somewhere else. And um, it's hard to fit in when you're constantly moving um, and having, and 
yeah, just trying to find that person that's the same as you yeah. when you are moving around is difficult as well. Um, yeah. So that that's great. You're being the person you needed when you were young. That's, that's exactly. fantastic. I love that. Yeah. And so the plan now, you've got the book coming out in August and you can enjoy that. You'll be able to do... Um, a book launch and, and be on lot, a lot more podcasts and radio. Yeah. And, um, and what's the plan then? Do you, do you think you'll jump straight back into writing? I think I'd hope so. I really, really do. I mean, I'm, I'm so blessed that, you know, I get to work in a field where I'm able to write creatively as much as I want, you know, working for somebody's daughter theatre. And... Hopeless Kingdom and so many works of mine like it sort of feel like personal ventures. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, in the future after, you know, Hopeless Kingdom has had its time in the sun, I would love to be able to write. Um, I've got a few ideas in mind, but for what I'm going to write next. But, yeah, I, I think I'd definitely jump back into that world, hopefully before the year's out. <laughs> and you're, you're doing your Masters at Deakin. Is that in writing? Yeah, so I was doing, um, I still am, doing my master's in professional and creative writing. I've sort of taken, like what now, two and a half year sabbatical (laughs) just because of the work that I do um, and how demanding that it is. Um, And of course, I did not foresee Hopeless Kingdom taking off in the way that it is. And so that's probably going to get pushed back in over a year or so. But I hope to hopefully complete my master's soon. Is there the opportunity to do a project during that master's? Possibly. We'll see. The funny thing is I wanted to um, – bits of Hopeless Kingdom, especially Tarasai, the mother's um, story, I was going to write a thesis on, say, the, um, the Sudanese-Australian mother right. or the African-Australian mother and that was going to be the basis of my thesis, and I was just going to explore those sort of themes and what it means. But, of course, now plans changed. <laughs> I've, sort of, I've decided to put that in Hopeless Kingdom. <laughs> but, yeah, so I guess when I go back to my master's, it's back to the drawing board, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't really have ideas yet at this point um, for what that's going to be and sound like, but... I'm a very strong believer in um, sort of I let things come to me um, and, yeah. That's very exciting. I think you've got a very bright future ahead of you. Thank you so much for sharing with me today. Um, And I'm a bit of a, the way I write, I'm a bit of a pantser, so I let things come to me all the time. And I'm like, oh, that was an accident. Oh, that went well. Good. (laughs) And I think, um, yeah, it's kind of some of the way writers are, is that, yeah, um, yeah, sometimes creativity doesn't happen and then other times it flows um, in abundance. Exactly, yeah. And I feel like I'm still... the publishing of this book has come at such a funny time because I feel like half the time as a writer I don't know what the heck I'm doing Mm. you know Um, and I feel like I'm still learning and growing with each day Um, and say if we were to have this interview next month a lot of my answers could possibly be very different to what I'm saying right now, you know? Well, I think, too, with once you're getting feedback from the world as well, because um, yeah. at the moment it's sort of pre, 
pre-release. Yeah. Um, yep. But getting feedback from, I guess, um, the community that it's aimed mm -hmm. at as well. And, yeah. like, I can see potential for it to be read in schools and, like, I think that, yeah, it could go a long way to connect people as well, you know, like the, the message is strong and yeah, just, yeah, I love the idea of people reading each other's stories and messages and it spreading a little bit of compassion and understanding as well, just so that people, when they meet someone, they never know the journey they've been through. Um, and yeah, especially for everyday Australians, they don't always understand, although there's yeah, great empathy within the Australian community. But yeah, re reading stories that are different from our own is a great way to learn about other people. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Okay, well, I will let you go. But thank you so much for being with us today. Um, and where can we find your book from the 1st of August? Where can we buy it? Um, you could buy it at any Australian bookstore, I'm pretty sure, um, Booktopia or the UWA uh, publishing website. And do you have any launches or visits booked if people would like to come and meet you or get their book signed? I do, but unfortunately, all of these things and events are TBA. <laughs> that okay. meant not yet. But, so yeah, if, if I... you'd like to share any of those with our listeners, um, we have our Totally Lit Facebook page, so you're welcome oh. to share share those there. Cool. I might do that. And I might, um, once I yeah figure out the details on those upcoming events, I'll publish them on my Instagram. And you could just find me at Kashak Akech. So that's K-G-S-H-A-K. Fantastic. I've already followed you, so I'll um, <laughs> start sharing your posts once, once you're posting. Amazing. Oh, Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. You're welcome. <laughs> Writing stories for children can seem like a very simple task, but there is a skill involved in bringing memorable characters and their worlds to life. Anyone can write a picture book, but not everyone can write a picture book that becomes a child's favourite bedtime story. The best children's picture books fire up their imaginations, evoke emotion, and stay within their memories forever. Authors Online was created to provide aspiring authors the knowledge, skills, and resources they need to become a published children's book author. Our extensive industry knowledge will be shared with you and provide you with the basic principles behind writing for children, picture book publishing guidelines, and updates on the current market and publishing environment. And as a special offer for Totally Lit listeners, if you go to authorsonline.com.au, you can apply the discount code of LIT20, that's L-I-T-2-0, to access discount content at authorsonline.com.au. Totally Lit is an independent podcast. You can help support us to continue to chat with wonderful Australian creatives by leaving a review on iTunes or sharing our socials with your friends. You can also make a contribution at www.buymeacoffee.com backslash totally lit. This will also help with equipment and podcasting platform fees, etc. I love to interact with our listeners, so feel free to say hello either by email or social media. My email address is totallylitpodcast at gmail.com or you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter. I've recently created a group on Facebook called Totally Lit Writing Community, which is great, growing at a great pace. It's a space to continue the conversation and share your writing successes, events, launches and latest projects. So please jump into the group and say hello. Thank you for listening to Totally Lit and don't forget to go out into the world to read, write, create, ignite. Mm -hmm.